This is episode 280 of the 200 Churches Podcast. Don't plan the spirit out of your service. Don't go so into depth on what you're going to do and how you're going to do it and at what speed you're going to do it. And this song has to take three minutes and this song has to take two minutes. And if something doesn't go right, you know, the whole service is going to be off the rails. Don't get so wrapped up into that that you plan the Holy Spirit right out of your service because that there's a temptation to do that. And we don't do it with that idea. We don't do it with this thought of like, oh, well, we're going to take the Holy Spirit out of this and just be out front of all that stuff. We do it with the best of intentions. We want to plan. We want to have excellence. We want to be making services that are uh, approachable for people that people can worship in. Those are great goals. Those are great um, endeavors to make. But I think there is a danger there if we're not careful that we can almost overplan ourselves and overexert ourselves to the point where we don't give the spirit room to work. Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast, where every Wednesday we produce a legit episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now, here are two guys who have been encouraging thousands of pastors all around the world, good friends, pastors, and podcast partners, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. My name is Jeff Katie. I'm in the opulent and luxurious 200 Churches Podcast virtual sound studio with my good friend, podcast partner, fellow pastor, and clean-cut, all-around nice guy. Johnny Craig, I am more clean-cut these days. I got a haircut. I shaved my face. I was just I just, just going through some of my wife's old pictures. It's our 10-year anniversary today, and I was going through some old pictures to try to curate some memories, and I saw pictures of myself when we worked together, Jeff, with the long hair and the and the mustache just out of control and it's not thick it's like a thin disgusting little mustache Hi, you hired me and you never fired me i looked like i was homeless most of the time Johnny, i thank you for that i remember when i your when your boys look like better gentlemen and better men than you but tonight <laughs> you look like a fine gentleman on your 10th anniversary i so this is the worst right it's my 10 year anniversary and i'm, I'm going to talk about this in the episode but i am here at western seminary Away from my wife and kids on my 10th anniversary. What kind of lousy husband am I? That's what I want to know. Well, it is, it's pretty bad. I mean, I wasn't going to say anything, but it is pretty, it's despicable, actually. It's, it's quite terrible. Quite <laughs> terrible. You're, yeah, you're absolutely right. It is despicable. But I'm here doing some education. Like I said, I get into that in a minute. Um, this you, this you episode. Probably, Johnny, you probably don't say this in your recording, but you did say that based on other priorities, family camp, things like that in your schedule, your wife did say, hey, take this week. We'll celebrate it later. <laughs> she encouraged you to do that. Let's say that because, you know, you're going to talk about family in a few minutes. I don't want you to be seen as the charlatan you aren't. <laughs> in defense of, I'm glad you said it. I won't defend myself okay, publicly. Good. I appreciate you <laughs> saying <Good>. that. <laughs> Jeff, you inspired me last week. You did a what's on my mind. Yes. And so I... I'm, this is my version. This is my week. What's on my mind? And that's, that's what this episode is. And uh, it's a little shorter than yours because my mind is a little smaller than yours. But it's a good, uh, just a rundown of a couple things that I've been thinking about. And hopefully it's encouraging to pastors and it, and it pushes you know some women and men to think, think a little bit about their vocation. Johnny, if this gall darn episode is better than mine, uh, you're not, that's the last <laughs> what's on my mind you're going to do. It's better not, because I'm, I'm afraid of that. I'm a little insecure right now. I'm thinking this is going to be a lot more interesting than mine was. 
Hundred percent not true. Yours was like <laughs> practical and helpful. This mine is like me just blabbing on about a book I read about the Methodist Church. Now maybe our Methodist <laughs> uh, pastors who listen will appreciate that. I don't know. We got some. We I feel like we've met some bishops of the Methodist Church who yes. uh, are our listeners. So hey, maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll enjoy that part of the conversation. But no, yours was much better, Jeff. I guarantee it. Johnny, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear it. So you ready? Let's just get to your What's on My Mind episode. So last week, Jeff was able to record his What's on My Mind episode of the 200 Churches podcast, and he has tasked me with the same job this week. So this is Johnny coming at you on the 200 Churches podcast, and I am going to be talking to you today about what is on my mind. So right now I find myself in Holland, Michigan. This is a beautiful town. I am on the campus of Hope College attending some classes at Western Seminary, which shares a campus with Hope College. And I am in a course learning about the Reformed Church in America liturgy and worship practices. So I am out of position away from my family, which is a huge bummer for me. And uh, doing some schooling, which I like to do and appreciate being able to do, but um, truth be told, would probably rather be with my wife and four kiddos right now. And I think that's the first thing that's on my mind is just this idea that we've come back to time and time again on the podcast that your family is your most important ministry bar none. No matter what, no matter what size church you're in, no matter where you serve, uh, no matter how big your family is, how small your family is, no matter what, your family is your number one ministry. And I am not myself when I'm not around my family. Uh, It's fun to get away. It's nice to be able to get away. But I have found this week that without my family, without my wife, without my kids, I'm really just not myself in a lot of ways. And I think all pastors should feel that way. Uh, Men, women, you know, no matter how old, like I said, you should feel that way about your spouse. Uh, You're one flesh and you're together in Christ doing this thing. You should feel that way about your kids, even though sure, it's nice to get away from the craziness sometimes. You should feel that way about your family, that you're not yourself without them. I think I can say that in a prescriptive way rather than just a descriptive way and say, that is the number one ministry that God has given you. I guarantee it. If you don't take care of your family, you might as well not take care of your church. Um, I might go so far as to say that if you don't take care of your family, you can't take care of your church. You might be a workaholic. I mean, you might be there all the time, but if you can't take care of your family first, then whatever you're doing at your church will um, be built on sand in so many ways. So I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm not trying to bring conviction, blah, blah, blah. I'm just saying that that is when I open scripture, when I see uh, the relationship that is planned out for spouses to have with each other, for the way that we're supposed to be with our families and our children, I really believe it. I really believe that this is the primary ministry area for people who have families. Now, hey, maybe you're listening to this and you don't have a family. And you're thinking, man, I'm I'm set free. 
I'm not going to disagree. I mean, the Apostle Paul says it's it's better maybe not to even have a spouse if you're going to be in the ministry because you can devote yourself fully to the work and, and not have to worry about, you know, another party and things like that. And so if you're single, please don't hear me saying, hey, you're not an effective minister or anything like that because I think to be single uh, and to be in that kind of position and, and feel like that's where God has placed you is a beautiful thing as well. And there's no shame in that game. You know what I'm saying? There's no problem with that. And you can be an effective minister with or without a spouse. And scripturally, we don't like to talk about it a lot, I think. But scripturally, I would say there's evidence that maybe you can be a more effective minister without a spouse. So that's a weird way to start this. But that is something that's on my mind as I sit here at Hope College, away from my family. I'm on day two of five days away and it's uh it's hard it's a not my favorite place to be to be away from my family so the second thing on my mind i'm already man jeff you took so long with yours i'm already to the second thing on my mind this is gonna be a fast episode my mind is not as complex as jeff's is but the second thing on my mind last week uh, my wife and i and our kiddos were able to attend a camp for families with kids with special needs. So I've talked on the podcast before about my daughter Eliza, who has Down syndrome and epilepsy and some developmental delays associated with those things. Um, We were able to attend a camp that is designed with families like mine in mind, families uh, where there are some kiddos who have some special needs who need help. And this, this camp is a great ministry and a great opportunity for families to get away with each other uh, and enjoy each other in a in a environment that's not stressful. And I know what you're thinking because I was thinking it before I went. Family camp sounds stressful. I got you got your kids with you. You're going to be running around doing all these things with children. Uh, they were amazing. My kids had aids that went with them, so. Uh, every child who has a special needs gets a one-on-one buddy, an aide to uh, travel with them throughout the camp process. And that was so helpful. We had beautiful uh, buddies um, and Gabby and Daniel who did such a great job with my kids. My kids loved them. The camp had everything that you would want, climbing walls and zip lines and horse rides and paddle boats and a swimming pool. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful time. But it also showed me the beautiful picture of the kingdom of God that is revealed in families who have children with special needs. I mean, really the beautiful image of God that is revealed in people with special needs, in people who are not typically developed uh, in the way that we would think. And to be a part of that community for those days, to be a part of seeing God at work in the lives of families who have different challenges and different struggles, who are going through things that are not the norm for families, uh, but to see how God has given them strength, has lifted them up, how God has led them into these hard places and been with them through these hard places, and it doesn't make the places not hard, but God is always with them, and to see the testimonies that they can share because of that, it just blew me away. And there was a statement made during one of the sessions uh, by the presenter, who is a father of a daughter with special needs, and he said, uh, he was talking about churches, and he said that 
not every church is a good community for people who have children with special needs. And it was kind of, I'm sitting there as a pastor and I'm thinking, oh man, this sounds terrible because he's telling people to leave their church potentially. And he said, look, I'm not here to tell you if you should leave your church or should not leave your church, but there's just the reality that not every church is going to be able to be the right community for your family when you're in this kind of a situation. And if you don't have children who have special needs, um, there's just so much about this uh, that's hard to understand, but it can be a really alienating thing to have kiddos who are not typically developing, and that's kind of what he was getting after. Uh, and he was talking about, you know, you might have to make that hard decision to go somewhere else. But then he said something that really stuck out in my mind, and it stuck out for this podcast because what he said was, sometimes the best place for your family to go will be a small church in your neighborhood. It will just be a, a little church that's in your neighborhood because he said when you get into one of these churches, one of these small churches, what you're going to find is a group of people who just want to welcome you with open arms and want to love you. And that's really what families who have kids with special needs need. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we maybe a couple of months ago now, we talked to uh, some folks who minister at Willow Creek, and Willow Creek has an amazing, beautiful ministry for people with special needs. It's a, it's really a great picture of the best that a church can do in so many ways. But it's funny because he didn't use Willow Creek as the shining example of what a church can look like when it comes to welcoming a family like mine uh, and the other people who were gathered there. What he what he used was small churches. So I want to commend you right now, Pastor, and say that if you are leading that kind of a church, good for you. If you're leading the kind of a church where a family can come in, where they have a child who uh, you know, doesn't look like the other children or doesn't act like the other children, a child who uh, can't sit still in the middle of service, a child who can't express themselves verbally, maybe a child who uh, is handicapped in some way, can't walk, can't see, can't hear, whatever it is. Uh, if they're coming in with a family like that and the response of your church is to approach them, to envelop them in loving arms, to create space for them, to not judge them, to say your children are always welcome here, even if uh, they disrupt the service in some way. If you are leading a church like that, I just want to commend you and say, that's what it is about. That's what's about right there. And if you're in a small church and you're imagining what I'm saying, and you're imagining these people coming in and uh, it maybe wouldn't go that way, well, pastor, I would say make that uh, make that a rubric in your mind. How would we receive the least if the least came through our doors this Sunday? Because I really do believe that in some ways, uh, there's the the families who have kids with special needs, they're not the least in the same way that uh, some other parts of our society could be considered the least. But when it comes to building community, when it comes to uh, the stigmas of society, certainly these families could be considered the least. And that's a rubric that you can use with your church. How loving are we? How welcoming are we? Well, if somebody comes in, if the least of these come to my service on Sunday morning, how will they be treated? How will they be received? If you don't feel confident in your church in that place, um, what are you going to do about it? I don't have answers. I think even for my own context, I have to think through that and say, what can my church be doing better? If if someone came in who had a family that looked that way to my church, how would they be received? 
Um, and that's a constant question that we as pastors can keep in front of ourselves that I think will be really helpful for us. So that's on my mind as well. That's on my mind as well. And at the end of that week, there was a beautiful worship service. It was the weekend. So at the end of the weekend, there was this beautiful worship service. And it's funny because I said to my wife, I said, this was such a haphazard service, such a haphazard, like there was no planning center plan for this thing. There was no uh, formal liturgical rhythm thought out for this service. It was just uh, the desire of the people who were gathered to come together and worship God. It was a couple songs on an acoustic guitar by a by a guy who got roped in at the last second because the person who was supposed to lead worship had to leave the camp sick. This guy comes up and he plays his he plays his guitar. He plays his music, and the people there lifted up their voices in song together. And it was just such a beautiful image of the church. Uh, there was a lyric in this song about the breath of God being in our lungs, that what we are breathing and we were singing out with is the very breath of God. And hearing those words sung by folks who sometimes aren't really considered to be image bearers of God, in the same way, uh, it man, it shook me to my core. And I think there's a beautiful picture in there for us as uh, presiders over worship. Hey, I'm getting technical. I'm here for a worship class. These are the kinds of words that we're using, presider. But as the presiders of worship, this is something that we need to keep in front of ourselves. Uh, I believe in planning. I believe in uh, doing things you know, well and getting things lined up ahead of time. I'm not telling you to be haphazard. But what I will say is, uh, don't plan the spirit out of your service. Don't go so into depth on what you're going to do and how you're going to do it and at what speed you're going to do it. And this song has to take three minutes and this song has to take two minutes. And if something doesn't go right, you know, the whole service is going to be off the rails. Don't get so wrapped up into that, that you plan the Holy Spirit right out of your service because that there's a temptation to do that. And we don't do it with that idea. We don't do it with this thought of like, oh, well, we're going to take the Holy Spirit out of this and just be out front of all that stuff. We do it with the best of intentions. We want to plan. We want to have excellence. We want to be making services that are uh, approachable for people that people can worship in. Those are great goals. Those are great um, endeavors to make. But I think there is a danger there if we're not careful that we can almost over plan ourselves and overexert ourselves to the point where we don't give the spirit room to work and we lose flexibility. And here's the thing, small churches, we have some flexibility. I am now, I'm in a larger context, larger church. I love it. It's beautiful. But I'm noticing there's less flexibility. I can't decide to change things on the fly. I mean, I'll throw the whole thing for a loop. I, it's like things take a little bit more rigidity in order to work. There's more moving parts. There's more things going on at any given time than when I was in a smaller church context. And so live into the beauty of the flexibility that you have as a small church pastor. Um, If you get your deepest wish and your church blows up with growth, hey, maybe that's not your deepest wish, but if it is, and you get that deepest wish, you're going to have all sorts of problems and you're going to lose all sorts of flexibility. And you might, like our friend Carl Vaders, you might look back and say, man, I think I like this place better as a small church. 
So live into that reality. Live into that reality that God is on the move in your worship services. No matter your denomination, your background, your, your traditional, your contemporary, liturgical, low church, whatever you are, God is at work. The Holy Spirit is at work. And don't plan the Spirit of God out of your services, even by accident, uh, because that's really not what you want to be doing. Now, I'm not as narcissistic as Jeff, so I'm not going to keep carrying on with this too much longer, but I will tell you what I'm reading right now. I just got done with a book that is called A New Church and a New Seminary, and it is about theological education being the solution for the United Methodist Church. Now, Why in the world am I reading a book about the United Methodist Church? I do not belong to the United Methodist Church. Well, that's a good question. Uh, If you are a United Methodist Church listener, um, I appreciate you and what you do, and I think you might appreciate this book as well. Uh, It's by the president of Wesley Seminary, and it's got some pretty strong ideas. It's got some pretty big ideas in it. Um, but he plants a stake pretty, you know, hard in this idea that if the church is going to improve, if, if the declining attendance is going to improve, and again, he wrote this about the UMC, but this is true of every denomination right now. There's no denomination that's impervious to what's happening right now as, as America. And if you're not in America, it's probably still true if you're in a, you know, kind of a Western, country, but as we slide toward post-Christendom, and for our Australian listeners, you know, you're already there, but as we slide toward post-Christendom, it becomes less important for people to go to church, and going to church and being part of a church is a less intricate part of people's lives, and what that means is that we don't assume people are just going to go to church anymore. People are not just assuming an identity as Christians because they happen to have been born and been baptized into a church. And so what we have is a whole generation of people who maybe were born and baptized uh, in their church, but who have since left and are not getting their children baptized. And so church attendance is on the decline everywhere in the United States and in the West. And it's because of this idea that the cultural cachet of Christianity is gone. Now, I could do a whole what's on my mind about how this is a good thing, how post-Christian society is actually a positive development for the church. Certainly, it looks bad on paper to have declining membership and declining giving and all of those different kinds of things. But what I will say is what's happening is it's uh, it's revealing who the true church is. Uh, this process is revealing the fact that we've had churches filled for a long time with individuals who were not uh, forming their children as Christ followers. And you can go back a couple episodes to my conversation with my friend Dan Den Boer if you're interested in learning more about formation. Uh, but a lot of people see this and see like, oh, the church is becoming irrelevant or the church has done a bad job or whatever. I'm sure there are elements of that that are true, but I'm not so quick to beat up the church in this. What I'm quick to say is for a long time, we had people showing up to church who wanted nothing to do with Jesus. And now that the uh, activity of going to church has lost cultural influence, those people are just not showing up anymore. And that's actually not a decline in the people of God at all, uh, because 
the church was just filled up with people who weren't the people of God. It was filled up with people who were coming to church because culturally that's what you do. And cultural Christians um, aren't, I'm not going to continue that statement because I don't want to get in trouble, but I think you know where I'm going when I say that. So anyway, the UMC is declining. We're all declining. You know, denominations are having a rough time. And this, uh, the author, the president of Wesley Seminary, puts forward his solutions, and one of his biggest solutions is to revitalize what seminaries are and what seminaries do. And he really sees the role of seminaries as being so important to the future of the church. Well-trained clergy, uh, clergy who are prepared for church leadership, not just theologically, although hugely important to be theologically prepared, but also clergy who are prepared to be leaders, prepared to be uh, well-differentiated leaders, prepared to enter into anxious systems and not get lost within those anxieties. And again, these are topics we've covered on the podcast in the past. Uh, And so he's saying this is the kind of stuff that can happen at seminary. Now, alongside that, he also says that the UMC, at least, is going to have to have some pretty hard conversations about do we have pastors and churches that are underperforming? And what do you do with a situation like that when you have a pastor in a church that's underperforming. Now, you're listening right now, and maybe you belong to a more independent tradition. You don't belong to a denomination that can remove pastors and things like that. Breathe a sigh of relief, (laughs) because the thing about the United Methodist Church is the bishops have quite a bit of control about you know where the pastors go and and where they're going to land and how things are going to go. Now, I'm not sure they're to the point where they're going to be shutting down churches, but that seems to be the... Uh, idea at least put forward in this book, and the author doesn't have the authority to make those decisions, but he's saying we need to look and make some hard decisions. All this is going to bring me to my point here, and my point is this. The person who gave me the book, uh, a gentleman who goes to my church and someone that I look forward to discussing the book with, uh, Mr. Carver, if you're listening, thank you for the book. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I can't wait to sit down and talk to you about it, but the individual who gave me the book Uh, gave it to me and said that he felt like the uh, implication here was that small churches were going to be shut down. Now, that's not what I read in this book. In fact, there's a statement made in the book that uh, sometimes small churches are the most revolutionary churches, that sometimes small churches are the place where new ministry ideas can be tested and rolled out, that sometimes small churches are the most vital types of churches. So I don't think that saying we're going to, mm, that we should, I should say, I don't think saying that we should consider drastic actions with underperforming churches and underperforming pastors necessarily equates to churches that are not growing numerically. Uh, I think that I see why someone might think that, and I suppose that if church growth becomes a metric that gets used to determine viability, there would be a sense that, yeah, you might be in some trouble if you have a small and declining church. But I think that I don't think that the author has a problem with small churches. I think the the author has a problem with pastors who have given up on their churches. And I would agree with that. Uh, and I don't feel bad saying that. And I don't feel like that's a bad thing to say on this podcast because my feeling is if you listen to this podcast, you haven't given up. If you listen to this podcast, you care about this stuff already. You care about your church. You care about the health 
of your church, not necessarily the size of your church, but the health of your church. And if you care about the health of your church, if you are working toward the health of your church, if you are a differentiated leader who's entering into the anxiety of your church systems in order to create healthy systems, in order to revitalize systems, in order to move in healthy directions, I think you may still be a small church, but you're not going to be an underperforming church. And I think as a pastor, you should never be described as underperforming if you're in a small church, but it's a healthy church. And that, look, that's a refrain that we are on again and again and again on this podcast, but I think it's so important to differentiate the difference between a small church and a church that is uh, declining and unhealthy. Because small does not necessarily mean declining and unhealthy. A small church can be very vibrant and healthy, and a small church can even be growing. You might not be growing by huge numbers. You might not be growing uh, you know, these massive percentages or these massive amounts, but you can be small and growing for a long time, and you can be small and healthy indefinitely, I would almost say. And so don't hear the idea of underperforming as small. I just don't think that that's the case. So a new church and a new seminary, theological education is the future. Well, of course, the president of a seminary would say that, but I think he's got a point. And I hope that in the next uh, couple of months, I'm going to email this guy and I'm going to say, hey, can you come on the podcast? And then I will personally grill him and say, when you say underperforming, do you just mean small? Because if so, that's super duper offensive and you need to get out of here. So I will tell him that to his face, if that's what he means. But the way I read it was not that way. So that's what I'm reading. That's what's on my mind. I'm not really listening to anything super cool these days. My church just launched a podcast that we're going to be putting out all summer, and it's stories of individuals within our church and the ministries that they are involved in. And I am listening to that because I am editing that. I am kind of heading up that project at our church. It's called MDRC Connection Point, and it's a way for our church to stay connected throughout the summer. We got a lot of people. They go on vacation. They got sports. They got, you know, uh, weekend houses, things like that. And this is a great way for us to stay connected to our church. I would tell you, Pastor, that you have the ability to do this as well. If you have a microphone in your church, if you got a hundred bucks to spend on a little pocket recorder or even get Audacity, download it on your computer and you can do it all through that. Um, it's not that hard and it might be a good way to keep people connected and to tell stories of the successes of your church. And that makes me think of Reggie McNeil being on my, being on our podcast just a little while ago and talking about viral agents, viral agents, people who can tell the stories of where your church is being successful, where your church is involved in its community and how those stories can be so impactful and so powerful in creating positive momentum and ultimately health and change in your small church. Man, oh man, that's what's on my mind. I feel like this podcast started a little low by me being sad about my family. I'm still feeling that way, but we brought it back up and we covered some topics today, some t- some topics that are close to my heart, some topics that I care deeply about and I can't expect others to care as deeply about, but I think that should at least be on your radar. You know what I'm saying? These should at least be things that you are aware of and thinking 
about because look, that's what it is as pastors to be aware, to be a critical thinker, to have ideas that you're bouncing around. Uh, the day you stop having new ideas, it maybe it's time to look for a new job. The day that you stop uh, taking critical thought about what's going on in the in the culture and what the church has to say about that, that might be the day you know, to take a different job. And again, this is a weird note to end on, but this is just, this is how I'm feeling tonight. You got to be in it. You got to be in it. Uh, there's no room in the pastorate for women and men who aren't committed to it. You are, uh, you're too important to the kingdom of God for that. Your church is too important for the kingdom of God and in the kingdom of God for you to feel that way. So get up, get some ideas, get going, get your blood pumping and uh, do amazing things. Be healthy, be cool. And, and you can have an incredible, amazing impact no matter what size church you are in right now. So thanks for listening. That was what was on my mind. And uh, next week we'll have a real guest. So you don't have to listen to this again, but I am grateful for you sticking around this far. Johnny, great episode. You know, I'm going to say it wasn't better than mine. It's just different. Very different. <laughs> very interesting. Yes. You know, you challenge pastors to think new thoughts. Man, isn't that the truth? That's what I did in 2010. I said to myself, mm. I got to think new thoughts. I had no idea the new thoughts I would end up thinking. I wouldn't trade yeah. it for the world, right? I wouldn't trade it for the world. And if you haven't thought any new thoughts in a while, yeah, I agree with Johnny. You, you'd better find maybe a, a new a new group of friends, a new group of church people, a new church, you know, maybe something like that. I mean, keep your spouse, keep your family, but just <laughs> challenge yourself, put yourself in a new situation where you can yeah. think new thoughts. That's pretty important. So, Johnny, I just got back last night from New York State. A couple episodes ago, we had a Derek Levendusky on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we, we moved my mom into an assisted living apartment, and some folks from his church came and helped me load that U-Haul. So That's amazing. I got to tell you, we I work every angle on the podcast to get people involved <laughs> and, and uh, get involved in their lives. So this guy shows up with his son. And his son is uh, 17 years old, and he's helping. And at the, at the end of this thing, when he's walking up my driveway, I pull this kid aside, and his name is Nathaniel. I, I, I'm not going to tell you his last name, but I said, Nathaniel, you're a sharp kid. You're sharp. You've yeah. you got a great personality. You've got a lot on the ball. Keep your nose clean. Stick around good friends. Don't get around those friends that are going to mess you up. You be a good friend, and you stick around good friends. You make the right choices. You're going to have a wonderful life because you are a sharp kid. You're a sharp kid. The whole weekend, like that was almost, that was about the highlight of my weekend. You know, hmm. moving my mom out of her home was not really that enjoyable. You know, you I hate, wouldn't think so. No. Yeah, you hate to have to do that. But just the opportunity to meet Nathaniel and uh, yeah. and speak into his life was was really fun and for me so for me going to a different state meeting new people um I, we talked about somebody i met on the airplane who we're going to have as a guest on the podcast yeah. right working every angle um that's, right. that's exciting to think new thoughts meet new people talk about new stuff so i think you hit you were spot on on those comments well i'm i'm always happy to be spot on that's what i aim for jeff i had an experience 
also on the airplane coming here. So you have to land in Grand Rapids. It's about a 30-minute drive then to Holland, which is where the seminary is. And I was landing at midnight. And I was going to try to get an Uber. Well, yes. I don't know if there's Ubers that run from Grand Rapids to Holland. But yeah, so so I'm, how did I'm, this I'm work in the out? airport. <laughs> I'm in the airport. I'm literally, I'm in the airport. I'm in the terminal and, I, and I'm praying. And I'm, I'm saying, God, put me in a situation where I, somebody else is going to the seminary. That was the prayer, really, okay? Like somebody else is going to the seminary. Put me in that situation. I sit down next to this guy and we start talking. He is from Grand Rapids. He was in California on business. And uh, he's just coming back. He asked me why I'm going. I tell him, you know, seminary, all this different kind of stuff. We start talking. This guy's awesome. His name's Ron. He has uh, been married 44 years. He's been at the same job, same company, different jobs, same company, 41 stinking years. Woo-hoo! Just like Mr. Stability. And he's got this beautiful family. He's got seven grandkids and three kids. And he's telling me all this stuff. It's wonderful. We're just connecting. Obviously, he's older than me, but, you know, we're just connecting. And then he just all of a sudden he goes, you know what we're going to do? When we land, I'm taking you. I'm going to take you to Holland. I just leave one exit away from Holland. I'm already going that direction anyway. I'm taking you down there to the <laughs> seminary. You don't have to worry about it. This guy just gives me a ride all the way all the way to the seminary from the airport. His truck was parked at the airport. We got in his truck. We drove to Look Holland. Wham, bam, awesome. we're here. Just beautiful. So Yeah, the next thing um, I know, you're going to be doing a podcast with a creep. <laughs> I don't know if Ron would be a big podcaster. Oh, really? Awesome, dude. <laughs> but uh, I think he'd be like a pod what? So he's a, he was a very cool guy, though. Awesome to meet him. He gave me his business card. Look, I'm showing Jeff now. It's on oh, yeah. Skype. Nice. So he gave me his business card. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow up with him when this week's over and just say thanks again because what a, what a cool deal. He's, and he's uh, reformed. Uh, everybody in this neck of the woods is reformed. He's from the Christian Reformed Church, which is like a sister denomination. But yeah. he was just—he was just so cool to talk to. So anyway, airport stories, cool connections, think new thoughts, meet new people. I love it. I love it. I love hey, it. I, hey, I went to the Cubs restaurant in the Chicago airport. Oh and, yeah, uh, yeah. And I've gotten the same server now two times that I was there. That's crazy. He comes up to me and he says, uh, "What you drinking?" Then I just looked at him. I didn't say anything. He looked at me. And he goes, he goes, Diet Pepsi, because they don't have Diet Coke. So he goes, Diet oh. Pepsi with a little root beer, right? I'm like, yeah, just a little root beer. I said, I've had you before. He goes, yeah, yeah. So That's crazy. I, I remembered. I was glad I tipped him 10 bucks the last time, right? So now he's well, going to give me. That's why he remembers. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But just, you know, just in, along those lines of building relationships with people, you know, I sat at the same table in the same spot, and I was wondering if he would come back. Because I've eaten there maybe... I don't know, four, five, six times. Um, yeah. But this time I was looking. I was looking for this guy. So That's wild. Who knows? You know, I, I go back and forth. I, I'm in Chicago. It seems like O'Hare is where I end up stopping. Yeah, uh, sure. Lay over it everywhere. That's a fun spot. You can sit down and get some work done. So, yes, cool, airport man. stories, Johnny. Airport stories. we got some great episodes coming up. we got some interesting people, interesting topics. Yeah. Uh, you know, when when the world is your source, there, there's a never-ending stream of content rolling in. So <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. Right. All all directed toward ministry encouragement for pastors of normal-sized churches. That's it, baby. That's who we are. That's what we do. And we'll see you right here next week 
on the 200 Churches Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com and to access every one of our hundreds of past episodes, go to 200churches.com slash podcast. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with yet another brand new awesome episode recorded and edited specifically for small church pastors just like you. So until next week, may God bless you as you lead and love the people in your 200 church. Okay. All that to say, let's do this because I'm not going to edit my podcast. As I recorded it, I just kept it alive and didn't. Yeah. And so I'm just going to slap this and That's that what I did. back and I'm going to ship it. So I had two edits and that was it. Yeah. So I'm going to be done. We do this and I'll be done with the editing and the blog and the MailChimp and the picture in 30 minutes. So So do you want me to want me to edit this in and out and send you the MP3 clean? Hey, if we just do a clean, you don't even have to edit it. Okay. Let's do a clean. You could write the blog. You don't have to. 280. What's what's 280? I say 280. I said, you need me to say, okay.